0: Ephesians chapter six, verse twenty-one through twenty-three. Man, we're we're finishing Ephesians. All right, you are getting your money's worth out of this. All right, uh, we, we're not we're not even going to skip Paul's benediction. We we're going to go all the way to the end. All right, so that's tonight. Ephesians chapter six, verse twenty-one through twenty-four. Uh, I had trouble studying for this because nobody else in all the world preached on this. I don't think I couldn't find anybody anyway. Uh, I just kind of want to see what other people did with it. I found some commentaries, but I I really didn't find anybody preaching on it. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21 through 24. Here we go. So that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother. How'd you like to have that name? Isn't that great? Tychicus, all right? I don't know if that's the way you say it, but... Father, I thank you for this, uh, this evening of starting small groups. I thank you, Father, for these people that have gathered to, to hear your word. God, I thank you for our church. I thank you for uh, opening up doors of opportunity for us to, to share the gospel and to build relationships and to minister to people. And God, I pray that you would help us to do these things well. God, that you would empower us and that we would feel your presence and power as we seek to minister to one another. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul was incredibly effective in ministry. True? Is that true? He was. I, I mean, this guy was really effective in ministry. His letters are some of the most practical and helpful. Uh, I believe, of all Scripture. I mean, we read them today. We study them today. We've been in Ephesians for seven months just hanging on every word that the Spirit of God inspired the Apostle Paul to write. This guy is a powerful theologian. He's a great preacher. He's a good pastor. He's a church planner. But let me, let me, let me emphasize something to you that you've heard me say before, but I want you to see it again. Paul did not do his ministry from afar. I mean, it would be real easy for him to stand up in front of the congregation and just preach these messages. Real easy for him to send letters, which was really his most lasting part of his ministry. Real easy for him just just to do things on on, on a distance level. But Paul would not do that. He is constantly getting together with believers. He is constantly seeking to meet face-to-face with other believers, to see them, to visit them. Now, now here's, here's a big question, though. What if you're somehow hindered from doing that? Okay, I think I, I, we, we've in lots of sermons before. I've showed you how Paul had this passion to meet with other believers. But what if you're hindered to do that? What, what if you're hindered from doing that? What if you're in prison, which Paul is? Remember this morning's message in verse twenty, where he says, "For which I am an ambassador in chains." Paul's in prison. Paul is hindered, really, physically. From going and visiting people. He can't go to Ephesus. He can't go to Colossus. He can't go to Philippi. He can't go to these places that he wants to go to minister in these churches, to meet with these people, to, to see his friends. He can't do that because he's in a Roman prison. So, so what if you are hindered from going face to face with the people that you want to see? Well, you know what he does? He doesn't just send a letter. He does send a letter, okay? But he doesn't just send a letter. He always sends a person, okay? It was vitally important in Paul's ministry that he have somebody who's going to, to meet face-to-face with the believers that he wants to minister to. Now, in, the, in this case, in, in our, our, our text today, this it's this guy named Tychicus, all right? Uh, Tychicus is this beloved brother of Paul. Paul loves him. He, he says he's a faithful ministry. It's a guy that Paul is, has built a christ in relationship. Paul's invested in this guy. He's trained this guy. He loves this guy. Uh, this guy's a fellow worker. And I, what I want you to see is that it's really hard for Paul to send this guy away, okay? I know that for a fact. I know that for a fact because in Second Timothy chapter 4, in verse 9, he, he, he's writing to Timothy, and he says, Do your best to come to me, okay? He's pleading with Timothy to come to him. For he says, For Demas in love with this present world has deserted me, gone to Thessalonica, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Luke alone is with me. He's only got Luke. He says, Get Mark, bring him here, for he's useful for me for ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. Isn't it cool when, like, you read something, one book of the Bible, and you read something else in the other book of the Bible, and you're like, oh, yeah, see how that... I mean, he, he talks about it. He sent this guy, okay? He's going to send him when he writes Ephesians, and he already sent him when he wrote 2 Timothy, okay? And, and what 2 Timothy says is he, he needs fellowship. He wants, he wants Timothy to come to him quickly. He needs a brother in Christ, All right, he needs some some personal relationship. He needs a small group. He's only got Luke. All right, him and Luke in their small group. That's it. It's not enough. He wants some other people and he has intentionally sent Tychicus away. So it's really hard for Paul to do that. But Paul, but for Paul, it's crucial that somebody be physically present in these folks lives. And I just want to say this is one of the reasons that we do small groups. Is because as we look through our Bible, you know what? It's not enough for us to say, okay, here's what our church means. Our church means that we gather on Sunday, and we all come, and you all sit there, and I talk, and and we have musicians who lead you in worship, and so we all sing together, and I talk at you, and and you you leave, and you shake hands, and that's it. Okay, we don't don't believe that's it, and we don't believe so because we look in the Bible, and we see that it's the Apostle Paul, along with a bunch of other people's, passionate desire in ministry that they meet face to face. Paul says, i got to come to you. I'm going to send this guy to you. You know, I want you to receive him. He's always talking like that. I'm sending him. Bring him. I'm going to meet with you. Okay? That, that's vitally important in the Bible, that there is this intentional building of Christ-centered relationships. Face-to-face. If you remember our small group uh, theme verse Romans chapter 1. Verse uh, 11 and 12. Man, these, these would be great verses just to memorize. Uh, if you're going to be at Lincoln a long time, which I hope you are. Uh, these these are vitally important to what we do. Verse 11 says, For I long to see you, this is Paul talking, I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Okay? It's a long way to roam. When you got to go by foot or you got to go by, by boat, Man, it's really a long way to get to Rome, and it's dangerous to go to Rome. And Paul's a bit preoccupied being in prison and all, you know. But Paul has a passionate desire to be there, to get there, to, to visit these folks. A letter's not enough. Now, I believe Romans is one of the greatest letters. It's a theological masterpiece, okay? But, but here, here's what Paul believes, and, and I want to ask you, do you believe this? What Paul believes is a letter's not enough. It's not enough for me just to send this letter. Paul says, I want to come to you. Now, now man, how, how could you ever say the book of Romans is not enough? I mean, wow. I mean, Romans is incredible. Look at the Bible. Paul says, look, I, I, it's not enough for me to send this letter. I want to come to you. And, and I want to come to you and I want to visit you and I want to see you and I want to meet you and I want to minister to you. And I want to be face to face with you. And, and, and then he says this, so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I mean, it's not a deal where Paul's just like, you really need this. No, Paul says, I need this. I need this in my spiritual life. I need, I need to see you. I need to be with you so that we can be encouraged by each other's faith. Now, small groups, are not the only way to do that. Don't, don't think that I'm saying small groups is in Romans chapter 20. Okay. Cause they're not, it, it's not in there. I'm not saying it is, and there are other ways to do this, okay? You should be doing this in your family. You should be doing this in, in restaurants. You should be doing this on the soccer field. You should be doing this at school. I mean, you should be building these kind of relationships, and you should be, you know, pressing yourself into the lives of other people for the mutual encouragement of each other's face. You should be doing that all the time. But, but here's what I believe, and I think you'll tell me this is true. Small groups are a good way to make it start, aren't they? I mean, we're helping you. We're helping you. We're giving you time. We're, we're keeping your little critters. That's a big thing, isn't it? That's that. That's got to count for something. I mean, you know, because that's going to be one of your excuses: is man, I, kids are not. You know, we can't. We try to get together, and they destroy the restaurant. We got to leave. Okay, we're keeping them for you, and and not only are we just keeping? We're not just watching them, man. We're investing spiritual truth in their life. We're doing something, something really supernatural in their lives, and giving you a couple hours to go to somebody's house that we've got it in the bulletin, and you're you're invited. You've been officially invited. People are going to welcome you there. They want you to come to their small group. And we hope that that's going to be the start of something. In the text we have in front of us, we see that one of the compelling reasons for our small group ministry is so that we will have an effective prayer ministry. Okay? I think those two go together. I I really do. I, I think those two help one another. A couple weeks ago, I preached on prayer and we saw how prayer is this, this vital part of us fighting the spiritual battle of me not falling into sin and you not falling into sin and us us making it together. Man, prayer is a vital part of that. And, and us getting together is a vital part of that. Last year, we challenged you to pray for every member in your small group every day. And I hope you did that. And I, I think that had great fruit. I don't know if you, your small group will do that again this year, but, but here, here's what I want you to see. Meeting together encourages prayer for one another. Uh, I think it does. Why do I say that? Look what Paul says. Gage okay, just said in verse uh, 19 and 20, you know, with the, the verse we looked at this morning, he says, I want you guys to pray for me. Pray for me that, that I would be bold. Pray for me that, that, that I, would, I would share the gospel. Pray for me in our mission. And then in verse 21 and 22, he here, let's just go to 22. He says, I have sent this guy, Tychicus, to you for the very purpose that you may know how we are. Why, why did he send Tychicus? A couple, couple of different reasons, but one of them was, Paul says, "I'm going to send this guy because I want you to know how we are. I want you to know what's happening in my life. I want you to know how I am. It's not enough for me just to write it down. You need somebody to be there with you who knows me and who's been with me and who's lived with me, who's in my ministry, and he's going to tell you how we are. Man, I think that's crucial. Last week we talked." I don't think it pleases God for us just to have vague prayers. God bless my church. Now, if, if you're not praying at all, and we can get you to that next step, that's, do that. Pray, God bless my church. Okay? I don't, I'm not saying God doesn't listen. I think he does. But there's a lot of times that we pray that way because we're not putting much effort into it. And we're not putting much thought. and We're not putting much time. Okay? I, I really think God is honored when we, when we seek him and struggle and wrestle, and we become convinced of Jesus' will for our church and we think of people in our church, and we know what's going on in their life, and we know what they're struggling with, and we think about it, and we, 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 we look at the Scriptures, and we say, Man, God, I, this is what I want to happen in their life, and I know this is your will, Jesus. And so I'm praying specifically what's your will in the Bible for my brother in Christ. I mean, I, I think that, that's effective prayer. But here's the thing. We're not going to know those things unless we get together. You say, Well, Pastor, we've got a prayer chain. Yes, we do. And I love our prayer chain. Um, I just found out just a minute ago the guy named doug taylor 's been on our pray, prayer chain he 's a superintendent of gage and man it 's not looking good for him and uh, I, I I met with with him a while back and did some spiritual kind of encouragement with him um, those are good but here 's the thing we're not i 'm not going to put on on the prayer chain when i 'm struggling spiritually <laughs> you 're probably not either. You know, we're probably all not going to do that. It, realistically, right? Is that right? You know, we're not gonna all going to do that. If someone gets cancer, we'll put that on. And, you know, certain things like that. But, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to call the prayer chain and say, man, I had a fight with Addie this morning, you know. <laughs> She's really rebelling, you know. can you? We're probably not going to do that. But you know what? If you have lunch with me, I'm liable to tell you that. Isn't that right? Paul goes to great lengths to make sure people know what's going on in his life. That that's really amazing to me. You you know, isn't that the opposite of a lot of private people today? You know, there's there's a lot of folks that they don't they don't want you to know what's going on in their life. Let me ask you this. Maybe you're one of those people. You don't want people to know what's going on in your life. You don't want to know when you struggle. You don't want them to know when you're having problems. You don't know, want them to know when you're doubting. Your, you don't want them to know that stuff. Let me ask you this. What does that say? I, I Just just a question. What does that say about what you believe? You see, a lot of times when, when we look at our actions, we got to back up and say, what, what, does, what do my actions say about what I believe? You know what I would say your actions say? I'd say your actions don't, don't put much stock in prayer. If you don't want people to know what's going on in your life, then evidently you don't want them to pray for you. Correct? And so evidently prayer is something you can live without or live with either way. Right I think we have to be careful we have to be careful that we don't we don't minimize the role of prayer in this spiritual battle. You know I think Paul, you know he, he might have been afraid of Man, if, I, if I tell these people what's going on in my life, that's going to ruin my apostolic image, you know I mean, it'd, it'd been real tempting for him to want people to think he's this greater than life figure, you know, just tell the good stories, you know. When he was stoned and 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 drug out, and then he goes back in the city, you know, you know the shipwreck story. I mean, it'd be real tempting, but you know, you know what Paul does, and Paul lets us know other things too. L- listen to Second Corinthians one verse eight: For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers. He said, he said. I want you to know this: of the affliction we experienced in Asia, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Paul's depressed, so much so that he wants to die. Hates life. Okay. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raised the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we've set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer. See what he's saying? He's saying, I'm going to share this thing with you. I'm going to share with you that we're so down that we hated our life. Now, you've got to pray for us, okay? How about this one, Romans chapter 7. Here's what he reveals about himself. I don't understand my actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. How do you like to share that? Shall we put that on the prayer chain? Marla, put that on, call Winnie. Winnie, I just want you to know that, put it on the prayer chain. I keep doing this thing that I don't want to do, you know. Would you Tell everybody to pray for that. i are probably not going to do that. But but I think Marlon would probably share that in her small group. Again, small groups, not in the Bible, but there's something we're trying to put together to to do these things we see in the Bible. You know what? At the heart of being a good friend, okay, is self-disclosure. Here's what trips a lot of people up with friendship is is they, man, they don't want to share their life. It's embarrassing. Here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes you share it. Somebody's not a good steward with what you share. That happens, doesn't it? Man, you share it and you get stomped on. So what you do? Well, some people go right over to the edge of that cliff, don't they? Right down. Pull away. It's never good. Okay? Listen to what Jesus said about friendship. John fifteen, fifteen. He says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. You hear that? I've called you friends. Well, why why is he calling them friends? For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Did you hear that? What, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the principle of friendship there? She says, like, man, I've let you guys in. You know, stuff between me and my Father, I've, I've shared that with you. Why? Because we're not, we're friends. I think not only is friendship built on self-disclosure, but it goes the other way too. So here's two great principles of Friendship. I'm going to share my life with you. And then I want to know about your life. And that's Paul too. Listen, let listen, listen to some of these passages. Uh, Philippians chapter two, verse 19. He says, uh, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you again. He can't go drives him crazy that he can't go. So he's sending people. He's sending Timothy this time so that I too may be cheered by news of you. What's he want to know? He wants to know about them. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. I'll give you another one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us. Oh, that's important to him. That they want to see him. Because that's what he feels about them. They may not want to get together with you. As we long to see you. Man. Here's Paul. Paul says, "I want to share my life with you, and I want to know about your life. I want to know what's happening in your faith. I want to know if your love is growing, and I want to know if you've got peace and I want to know what you're struggling with, and I want to know how to pray for you, and I want you, I want you to know about us so that we can pray for you, so you can pray for me. You know I mean that, that, that's the principle of friendship. All right, let's do a couple more things here. Small groups or what we're talking about, face-to-face personal visits, are great means of encouragement. All right, look, look at what he says here. Why is he sending Tychicus? Verse 22 I've sent him to know for this very purpose. Uh, I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. All right, did you hear that? Why is he sending Tychicus? So that Tychicus can encourage their hearts. Okay? Listen to this the, 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 the Greek word for encouragement is parakaleo. And listen to the definition. You'll find this. I don't care what Greek lexicon you use. You will find this definition. To call to one's side. All right, you're going to encourage somebody where they got to be. Where they got to be. At your side. According to the Greek definition, they have to be at your side. Now, what does that imply? You got to to, to go, right? You got to meet. You got to get together. You got to eat lunch. You You got to spend time together. Now, there's lots of different kinds of encouragement as far as what do you do when they're at your side? Well, sometimes encouragement is to comfort, sometimes it's to pray for, sometimes it's to counsel, sometimes it's to rebuke. But here's the thing, you don't know that unless they're where? At your side. It's hard to encourage somebody from a distance. You have to have some sort of interaction. You can do it over the phone, you can do it by letter. But, but the principle is you've got to know what's going on in their life, they've got to know what's going on in your life in order for you to encourage them. Yesterday, I I, had, I told the small group leaders this story already. I had the most mo, most meaningful experience of encouragement in my life. And it, and it had nothing really to do spiritually. It, it did. Well, no, it did. It did. It was intensely spiritual. But, I mean, we weren't doing a spiritual thing. We were riding a race. We were in a, in a bike race. And it was a 100-mile deal in uh, New Mexico. It was in the mountains. We've done great. Uh, 90 miles, though. We were doing okay. But then... The end of this thing, which I don't know whose dumb idea this was, the end of this race, uh, mile 90 to 95 is Bobcat Pass. And so it, it, it's a climb. Uh, it's a thousand foot climb or so. And, and it's a brutal, steep climb. And so you've already ridden 90 miles. And, man, we were there. I geared clear down. And we're just, it's just a grind. I mean, it's so slow. I have my little computer there, which was a great discouragement. 4.6 miles per hour. That's what I was doing up that, up that mountain. And uh, my back hurt, my neck hurt, my legs hurt. I had nothing left, nothing in the tank, you know. And, uh, and I was discouraged. You know, but I, I wanted to make it, but, but my, my, my mental, I was starting to break down just in my will. You know, you come to a point there where, you know, there's nothing to do. There's nothing that's going to make it better. Even getting off the bike doesn't make it better. You know, I mean, you're, you're still just shot. So you got to go, but, but you're, you're just trying to drive yourself to keep going. And Doc just sees that I'm struggling and uh i don't know why this is so man it's just so beautiful to me he comes up he's ahead of me actually and so he 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 slows down and i come up alongside of him and and he just begins to pray for me and and he prays for emma and he prays for my kids and he's riding at the same time you know so he's he's gasping and we're both gasping and we're just crawling up this thing you know and, and he does two things. He, he, he'll stop praying and he'll tell me, and I knew this was just a psychological trick, but it still made me feel better. But he would say, it's just around this corner, man. It's just, it's just right up. Look, he, he would tell me, look, look, there's not much mountain left. It's got to be around, you know. And so he, and I knew that, you know, he didn't know either, but it just, it made me feel better, you know. Just, and then he would start praying again, you know, and he would pray for the church and he prayed for the second campus. And he prayed, wow, it was so encouraging. And look at that picture. What did he do? He came alongside. He was ahead. You know what he could have done? He could have just shouted back. Come on, you know, you can make Come on, man. He comes to my side right beside me. And he, and he discerns probably by looking at me <laughs> what I need, you know, probably thought, man dude, I just got to pray because there's nothing else going to get this fool up the mountain, you know, <laughs> but he discerns what I need. And, and so he just begins to pray. That's encouragement. And I don't think you can do it any other way. You know, I, I think we can see each other here. But, you know, there's not much time. I, it's a struggle for me. I love to stand at the back and greet people. Here's what I know. You, you're, you're all walking out of here. I don't have any time really to, you know, I mean. And there's, there's 370 of you. You know, I, I mean, what I need is I need for you guys to go to a group. And I need you to go there with the intent of coming along somebody's side and discerning what they need. And, and then, then giving it. Giving the aid that they need. That's encouragement. The last couple verses, I um, might be tempted to skip over them. I think they're significant. Verse 23. It's just kind of a benediction. Paul does this in all of his letters. But listen, listen with it. Peace be to the brothers. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. It's a benediction. Paul does them a lot. But you know you what's know what at the heart of that? What's at the heart of that is Paul says, here's my desire for you. What do I want for you? I want you guys to know I want peace in your life. I want the love that comes from faith to be yours. I think that's significant because Paul has a clear vision in his mind. Why he wants to meet with these folks. Why he's sending Tychicus to him? Why he's sending Timothy to him? You know why? Because he wants a relationship with Christ to grow. He wants them to have peace that comes from faith. He wants them to have love that comes from faith. Go to your small group with a purpose. And, and don't let the purpose be a free meal. Okay? That's a really cool thing. But don't let... Go with the intent to bless somebody spiritually. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do the hard work. Father, I just thank you for this great picture of a man who, who was committed to to just loving people. And uh, even with all that was on the Apostle Paul's plate, uh, being in prison, being abused, being beaten, being all of that, God. Thank you, Jesus, that that he was willing to invest the time uh, to be a blessing to people in their spiritual life. Thank you, Father, for his example of forgiveness. Even when people turned on him and churches um, slandered him. uh, God, we see he didn't give up, but he kept pursuing Him. And I just thank you for that. And I pray that we would be those kind of people. Lord, bless the small groups tonight, God. Please, just do great things in their midst. In Jesus' name, amen.